Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 71. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast on one of the many podcasting apps on which we appear or through our webpage, rockisgeorge.com, on our YouTube page, or at knac.com, the loudest.com on the planet. My guest for this episode is vocalist Robbie Thomas Walsh. He sings for the band Perpendicular. That's Per with a P-U-R, and there's a reason for that. Perpendicular features deep purple drummer Ian Pace within its ranks. The band is ready to release their third studio album called Human Mechanic through Metalville Records on September 23rd. If you haven't heard of Perpendicular, this interview is certainly going to clear things up for you. So here's Robbie Thomas Walsh, vocalist for Perpendicular. If I knew absolutely nothing about Perpendicular, how would you describe the band's music to me? I said rock and roll, that wouldn't say anything either, would it? The best way to describe us is um, we've got a lot of influences. Obviously, we started as a uh, Deep Purple tribute way back in 2007. Uh, and that was primarily born out of us being really frustrated with the original market, um, which is we, we just couldn't get paid. I mean, it was so difficult to present new music to an audience. You'd be put kind of on a ticket deal, you know. So we said, look, at what, we, what are we going to do? So we said, look, at what, what's the common denominator? What bands do we really love that we could uh, express ourselves, basically, and kind of put our own stamp on it? Uh, without without copying that was the that was the mantra that was the that was imperative that we didn't just copy because there's only one purple obviously so uh, we just said we, a few names were thrown around zeppelin but we all said purple and we said purple for the simple reason was because that there's a lot of space in that music to be expressive and um, and you can put your own stamp on it you can do it your own way Without going off the track too much, you know, you got to keep the purple fans happy. You, you know, you're going, you're going to get them turning up. Oh, you're not like Gillen. You're not like Blackmore. You're not like this. We had in mind that we didn't want to be a Blackmore band kind of thing, you know. So we purposely went more Satriani Morse because nobody was doing that. So we said, look, we'll, that's, we'll start off with that. We'll call the band Perpendicular. That'll stamp it. And off we went around Europe. We started in Austria and Ian joined us for the, one of the first small tours. We did a lot of small touring back then because, you know, with Ian, it would have been about oh, between five and 10 dates in the early days. But we really had to work hard without Ian on the drum seat uh, to get the name established and to work as much as possible and to pay the bills because we couldn't, you know, that's the main thing. I remember a girl, ex-girlfriend of mine coming into the apartment one day, uh, George, and she said, the landlord is looking for the rent. And I said, well, tell him to come in and we can both look for it. <laughs> so, yeah, we worked really hard back then. And, uh, but we didn't know all this time down the road that we, <laughs> that we would start doing original stuff. So we got the perpendicular name there, but it's okay. It's, it's fine. And, uh, I mean, the band has been very good to me personally, so uh, there's no complaints anyway. So that's basically, on stage, we're a live animal. We, 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 we press with a lot of energy to the audience. Uh, we work the audience and we make sure there's a lot of improvisation, uh, improvisational parts in the music to keep it interesting for ourselves, to keep us alive. And, and every night is a different night. And 
we don't know what we don't rehearse we never rehearse since 2009 we just say right we're going to do these songs anybody that makes the first mistake is buying the bloody beers <laughs> so that usually works george yeah how does one make the transition from deep purple cover band to writing originals well i think that's just just what I said there, when you're expressive on stage and you're doing a lot of improvisation and I mean, you, I think every musician wants to be uh, creative, wants to be expressive. It's, it's just the way it is. I just think, you know, and we had all these ideas, you know, and soundcheck and jams and the shows and stuff. And we had a load of tapes and, and of course, the guys love to write, obviously, riffs, obviously, Herb, uh, he's a guitar riff freak you know so he, he presents always good uh vibrant rock and roll riffs so it's hard it's hard to not to ignore it you know so you you take it on board and you say right we're gonna do let's let's start writing you know and i think it was ian back in 2015 why don't you do your own stuff and i just explained to him as i did to yourself george so um why we didn't start that way uh but now it seems like a bloody good idea <laughs> Ian Pace, drummer, Deep Purple, how does he get involved with your band? I met Ian in Manchester in 1996, the Manchester Apollo, but I was just there as a visitor and we got chatting. And again, we, I was invited to, to do a show in Austria with him in 2000. And, do you know, I think it was 2002 or 2003. I can't remember. <laughs> you know, it's starting to slip already, you know. <laughs> We met and uh, we did the first couple of gigs. One was in Vienna, Austria, and the next one was in, I think, Zagreb in Croatia, I think. Uh, we just got on great. We went for dinner the second day together and we, we, we had the same humor, the same interest in, in beers and whiskeys, of course, and um, football. We're football crazy. And uh, we became good buddies. But on top of that, we became uh, also um, good uh, kind of business partners. Like, well, when he's not with Purple, he does a lot of work with us. He keeps his limbs fit. Because, uh, you know, if he sits at home, he loses that 5%, 10%. Just a little, a little bit like a footballer, actually. If you don't train in front of people, you know, you, you're going to lose that little bit of match fitness. So he needs to uh, keep on playing in front of people because... And it's the same with myself. You can't just sing to a wall or you just can't play in a, in, a, in, a, in a practice room. You don't get that adrenaline push and that rush that I, I need personally. So you can stop in the middle of a song and have a coffee. You know, that's not allowed. There's a discipline when you're in front of people. You have to uh, produce the goods. Perpendicular's third studio album is coming out on September 23rd called Human Mechanic on Metalville Records. This album's been delayed at least two years, correct? We had a problem, obviously, with COVID. Now, there's a lot of bands that were putting music out during that period, but we said, look, we're not going to put it out and not be able to tour because you can't promote it properly. You know, we didn't want the sales or the promotion to, to, to suffer. So we said, look, let's just let's just keep it. And while we kept it uh, on the on the on the on the boil, under the boil, so to speak, we had another couple of songs uh, written during that period. Um, we had a bunch of material and then we broke it down to about 10 songs. 10 tracks and uh, it just seemed like the right time when we uh, struck a deal with Metalville who are doing a fantastic job both in Europe and America uh, and we're so glad to be uh, to have that co-work with them they're working pretty hard yeah it just seemed like the right time okay let's do it now I talked to the label boss and um, we, we made a little 
planned strategy and now we're we're ready to go and um, thank god because they, we didn't know when covid you know i don't know what it was like for yourself george but i think everybody everybody involved in this kind of industry took a little hit you know so but you take as, as i say in all the interviews you take a positive you take a positive from a negative so it gave us time to think okay where are we going with this what direction do we want to go where are we what are we going to do next you know so because normally we would be working all the time so you wouldn't get uh, that time just to just to reflect and in hindsight then you get all these okay let's let's not do that anymore let's do this and plus you have more time in the pub well you know that's wrong that's wrong actually because the pubs are closed as well Those were closed. <laughs> <laughs> my private bar like you what you have there exactly it got extra work out of me <laughs> if, you, if you stockpile like this you don't have to worry about the liquor stores closing I know it's that's the danger of it. That's the danger when you keep going up and nobody says it's closing time to you got, you know, that's dangerous. And then you realize the birds are singing, you know, let's <laughs> oh, talk man. a little bit about the songs you have out there so far ahead of the album's release human mechanic, my favorite song right there. It's certainly right speaks to our society today. If you want to talk a little bit about the song. Yeah. Cheers, man. It's, oh, it's, it's a little bit tongue in cheek. You know, there's all these problems you see world, world leaders and just people, shooting other people for no reason and just chaotic scenes i think we've just got we just got crazy you know but as the song says you know it's, it's no reason to panic we, you know we're out of control we need to go home you know let's not panic it's we can get this you know but the tongue-in-cheek part is wouldn't it be lovely just like an egg if you could open a human's head like that just like your breakfast in the morning just crack the egg open and just you know and say okay you need a fan belt you need a couple of spanners a couple of uh nuts there maybe a camshaft fix them up close the head and he's done he's happy again it's tongue-in-cheek it's it's you know it's a little bit ironic you know so but um the song itself you know the big message in it is in the first line if you can remember is the uh, i get no love from you which makes all the bad things we do and that's you know if, if somebody's not treated with respect or love on many different levels they're going to act like an asshole at one point it's going to it's going to come back you know it's it's a typical relation relation thing you know if somebody feels that they're not being treated with a degree of of respect they're going to say hey you know what you jack you know <laughs> and it's the same with man and woman in this day and age of the relationships if they feel you know okay the husband is spending too much time in the pub you know? <laughs> and he didn't say anything about my nice dress you know <laughs> You know, then it, then you get trouble, you know, and that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And uh, I think uh, some of these so-called world leaders and stuff like that must have, they fall into that category. So they decided to go to go crazy on everybody. So from my perspective. So basically, that's the, 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 the title track of the album, The Human Mechanic. So it would be just nice to have a just similar thing to a car mechanic, because the poor psychologists and, and Samaritans and, and psychologists are overrun nowadays trying to do a great job great so okay i'm going to book you into bmw next week and you can take your head off and fit you with a with, with a fan belt and you'll be fine you know you'll stop killing people the uh second song you have out there is ghost uh, you i believe it appeared on a metalville uh compilation album for humanitarian funds for ukraine so if you want to talk a little bit about ghost the inspiration for ghost was uh, Herb uh, had this great riff and he said, look, I think this is perfect for us in perpendicular because Herb does a little bit of production with uh, other other uh, projects. And he said, I, I think this is good for perpendicular. 
And I had it a long time, George. That was uh, one of the tracks that we would have had back in 2020. I had a few ideas for it, but the, the thing Ghost was born out of when the Ukraine thing started, when uh, that unfortunate uh, war at the moment. And, you know, just being young kids being killed in every corner, you know, and there's a ghost in every corner. But on the other side, in, from our perspective, it can also mean that whatever relationship that you had in the past, whether it be family, friends, um, uh, close relationship, and, and if you lose somebody and you walk through the city and you have uh, remembrance, you, you, know, you know, oh, we used to sit in that cafe over there. You know, you get memories as a ghost. It's not, it might, might necessarily mean a spirit, but it could be a memory of somebody that passed away or just split up or the, uh, an ending of a relationship. So basically ghosts, that's what it, uh, that, that, that's the basic meaning of it. You know, it's, it's basically absence. If so, you know, you, there's a ghost on every, everywhere you look, there can be a ghost of, of previous uh, memories, basically. So that's, that's the story of it, basically, yeah. Do you have a third single that you're planning to release? Third single is a thing called uh, Four Stone Four Stone Walls. And that's, I think that speaks for itself. It's, it's about when, you know, it's not only about, is it about isolation, but it's about, hey, you know, I've got to do something. The walls are closing in here. And the main theme was the COVID thing. Everybody trapped inside the house. So that came very, very uh, quickly to us. And um, there's a good jam on the way out. There's a bluesy kind of a uh, shuffle jam on the way out where Ian and Herb and Christoph on the Hammonds, they, they, they sink right in, they get, they get right into it. So I let them do their thing on the end. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that was a fun track to do. And uh, it's just somebody saying, you know what, I can't, take, I can't take this anymore. This is ridiculous. I've got to do something here. And I think many of us nowadays are thinking like that, you know. And change, change is a, is a big thing for people. People love um habits they love routine they don't like to be taken out of that it would probably fall into that category as well so of you know hey i've got to change something but i don't want to (laughs) (laughs) the album is coming out in multiple formats cd digital vinyl in keeping with your deep purple 70s influences it must be nice to have your own vinyl record coming out you know george i've never been on vinyl before I've been on a lot of things. I've been on canvas. I've been on, <laughs> no, I've been, uh, yeah, I've never had a uh, vinyl. I can't wait to actually hold it in my hand. Cause when I was growing up as a small boy, re- reading all many autobiographies and stuff like that, you always read about the previous generations of musicians. They always got stuff on uh, vinyl or cassette. And it was really funny because we had these little cassettes when we were kids. One of us on the road would have the new record and we'd say, oh man, can you, can you record it? And you put it in his, in his letterbox and the tape would go wonky. So you had to get a pen. Remember the pens, the big pens? And you have to, oh God, you cassette the, the, the what you call it? The tape would come out of the cassette and you had to wind it back like this. You remember? <laughs> <laughs> or not, you, maybe you don't have to remember. I no, remember. I do, I do. The 80s for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, you, you'd get the, the album off, whoever had it, whoever had the new album. And I was uh, being, being a kid with them much much uh, much money and stuff like that. So my parents, uh, my, my dad more, would, would have had the, the vinyls of Wings' Greatest Hits. He had uh, Rumours, Fleetwood Mac, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin II, Cream, Wheels of Fire, and of course, Deep Purple and Rock. You know, so they were, that was basically my schooling because I, 
yeah, I stopped listening in school when I was 14 or 15. I realized, hey, you know what? Nobody's going to ask me the Battle of Hastings in the supermarket when I'm buying when I'm buying bread and milk. That's it. <laughs> my exposure to vinyl was uh, my parents signing up for the Columbia House uh, subscription club where you got uh, vinyls for a dollar. A dollar. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, but then you had to buy 10 more albums at like $25. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You start on a roll. I'll get, I'll get another one. I've loads of money here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, vinyl. Is, I can't wait for it. It's actually a silver vinyl, I'm told, from the label. Mm-hmm. It's going to be silver. Maybe you remember this, George. Did you ever have a scratch on your vinyl and you knew where the scratch was, but when you heard the song in a club somewhere, your brain was focused on the scratch. You remember this? Yeah, or a skip. Yeah, a special skip. Yeah. I'm only 120 years old. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I had it on Led Zeppelin too, right where Bonham was coming in on Moby Dick. I think he did it instead of a paradiddle diddle, he did a paradiddle diddle 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 diddle, you know, so, something like And I used to, and I used to keep going, and everybody looking at me say, Oh, you got that wrong, man. And he said, Oh, maybe it's debatable. <laughs> So you guys are signed with Metalville Records, which is actually killing it lately. I think your last two albums were indie indie labels, and Metalville seems to be taking off. So, how did you guys end up signing with them? That was uh, we were introduced uh, from uh, an agency in Germany. Um, oh man, what was it called? Wolf Gibbons. From, I, I forget his name. We were introduced, and I I said I slipped them a mail, and myself and Holger, we just started the, the label boss, Holger Cook who we used to work with Nuclear Blast. I told him that he knew about us and I told him uh, what our plans were, what we wanted to do. And he was very interested in that. And we had a, a three hour call one night, a sober one, by the way, it was a sober call. <laughs> and uh, we, we basically straightened everything out there and then. And then on our German tour, he came to visit us in Dortmund and backstage we did the business. We, we, we signed the contract and uh, and we've good plans. He's got, he's got a great head on his shoulder. I like the way he presented his company. Um, the guys that uh, our A&R manager, Thomas Ziegler, is doing a killer job. Uh, um, Stefan, the assistant for marketing, is, is absolutely killing it. Nathan is really cool in our American office. If you know Nathan. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he seems like a cool guy. A guy that I have to take for a beer at one stage, yeah. They they have a good um they have a good uh, rep, uh repetition re- reputation repetition <laughs> reputation um so it was a step up we did have independent labels and you know the the last label that we had they were really great guys they just didn't have the, the financial clout but they did what they could and they were very kind to us and uh, and they're still very kind and cooperative to us you know it's important in this business because it's a sensitive business that's what I always call call it it's easy to fight with people. You know, because of the sensitivity and the, and the finances involved and stuff. So, but uh, yeah, Jurgen Fastball was a was a, was a pretty really kind to us. And um, and what I've seen from Metalville right now is 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 the best. You know, with no disrespect, it's, it's the best uh, we've ever had, and we're, we're really looking forward to this release and future releases. You know, so yeah, watch the space. And I'm looking forward to this uh, promotion campaign. I've got a lot of work in in uh, the United States to do, which you know I've never been to the United States. Where about where about are you, George? Are you Plymouth, Massachusetts, where the Pilgrims? Massachusetts. Oh my God! You see, I have to do it. We have to. We're, we're down to do a U.S. tour, so uh, along the East Coast and North, I think. So Perfect. it'd be great to 
would be great to catch up if we're in town. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 bring some of them bottles. Well, I, we'll have bottles of our own. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of touring, you guys are heading out right around the release time of the album, and you're bringing Ian Pace with you on drums. So uh, we're about on you. drugs. I thought I thought you were going to say on drugs. Not, <laughs> maybe back in the seventies, that was a possibility. <laughs> no, he's he's a he's a beer and whiskey man. <laughs> oh, perfect. Excuse me. What were you saying? Go on. Uh, where you guys? You guys are heading to Germany, I know. Whereabouts yeah. uh, does it go after that? Well, we got Germany, Scandinavia, Czech Republic. We're in Czech Republic in about four weeks. Austria, Switzerland. We got a big tour of France. Our promoter in France is doing a great job. Antone Bocco. Hats off to that gentleman, and uh, he's got us on in some uh, really cool venues. I think we've got about twelve. It's the largest largest French uh, tour, so we're looking forward to that. And we got two days off in a haunted castle, so there'll be plenty of prank work, I'm sure, there, because we love pranks when we're on the road. We, we Humor is our, our thing to keep us ticking when we're on the road. So I can't really say anything about the United States right now, but I'm sure me, myself and Holger were talking about it, and he's trying to work something out, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some positive news on that uh, fairly soon. You've performed with other members of Deep Purple throughout your time in the music business. You perform with Roger Glover and Jolene Turner and members of Rainbow tied to Deep Purple, yeah. Tony Carey, Paul Morris. Is there anybody in Deep Purple that you've been trying to uh, kind of share the stage with that it just hasn't come about yet? Um, yeah, in, in 2009, we had a, a assistant kind of a manager. He wasn't a full-time manager, but he had contact to Richie and we tried to get Richie to do it, but his current manager and they didn't want anything to do it Deep Purple back then, no matter what, no matter what formation it was. He gave us a compliment. He said, "Great band, but maybe you could support us on the Black, uh, what was it, Blackmore's Night or something." And that, that isn't my thing. But I mean, I'm, I think it's brilliant, and what he's done and what he's given to rock and roll is, is outstanding. But, um, but that was about it. I don't think we asked anybody else. I don't think we, no, no, we didn't. Rog, get Rog, Rog played with us in Switzerland in 2012, Roger Glover. And he was a guest that night and he said, come on, Roger, come on, man. Put your bass on. He said, I'm, I'm on my day off. And he said, no, you're not. Come on, you wouldn't be here if you didn't want to work. Come on. <laughs> so we got, we forced him on stage. That was cool. Yeah. So I don't want, I am going to put you on the spot. I was going to say, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am going to put you on the spot. Hey, am I on the spot? <laughs> you're on the spot. Which era, which vocalist era of Deep Purple do you favor? Now, the good part is Ian Pace has been in every era of Deep Purple, so it's perfect. We won't insult him in any way. So are you a Gillian guy, a Coverdale guy, Glenn Hughes, JLT? BLT, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> Bacon, lettuce, and tomato. I work with Joe as well. What a guy. What a guy Joe is. I had a many brilliant night in Russia with Joe. We were in, we were in uh, where were we? St. Petersburg, 2010. But, oh, my God. I mean, when I was a kid, I obviously heard in rock. But the, the first time I heard Purple Live was a, it was an album called Scandinavian Nights. And I was at a party and I was chatting up this girl as, as a young teenager, as we do. And um, she faded into the background when I heard this music. And I was looking at her, but I wasn't listening, you know, that kind of way. I wasn't listening to what she was saying because I couldn't believe what was coming out of the speakers. And it was uh, Ring That Neck, about 38 minutes long of just John Lord and Richie just bouncing off each other. And uh, and then I obviously heard Gillen, uh, you know, and I thought, yeah, this this is 
this is this turned my head a little bit, you know. And I remember the disappointment, the disappointment, George, when somebody said, well, Gillen only did these first albums. He came back, but he left then for, for three albums. And I said, oh, Jesus, you know. He said, yeah, it was David Coverdale. And I said, oh, who is this geezer? You know, I, I'm, I, I won't like him. I don't think I'll like him. How could you replace Gillen? But equally, I was fascinated by David because of this big blues baritone, huge voice that I, I put ahead of Paul Rogers, and no disrespect, Paul, Paul Rogers is amazing, but I just prefer my own personal taste. David was amazing, especially them, them, the solely stuff. And that got me into my soul. I love soul music. And I started to dig deeper when I heard Stormbringer. I started to listen to Otis Redding, Motown. And then obviously I loved, I grew up with, with funk and blues, with Chic and ABBA. And I, you know, it wasn't only just rock and roll. And, you know, so if you put me on the spot, it's a pretty difficult thing. Is, I, wait a minute, I've got three spots here. <laughs> <laughs> now they're all brilliant. And Glenn, I mean, when I saw Glenn, I wanted to, that suit in California jam was really cool. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it on now. Probably wouldn't fit into it. But <laughs> but yeah, that that was. Um, if I had to pick one out of them all, it would have to be Ian. I mean, you know. But there again, I don't copy. I, he was just. Uh, I mean, when he was young, he looked up to uh, Elvis Presley. And I guess when I was younger and I needed to find my way, Ian was kind of a. A role model, but but I wouldn't, you know, I'm gonna copy that guy. I've got to be exactly like him. It wasn't like that. It was just I learned so much from him, you know, and I learned so much then. And when I heard uh, other other, not from a vocal perspective, but to be a frontman, you know, because obviously not the best singer in the world and not the best frontman in the world. But when I put the two together, I can hold my own on any stage in the world. I don't care. You could put me anywhere in front of the California Jam, be not a problem for me. I get more nervous when I have to go shopping myself on my, you know, I get really nervous when I'm, when I go shopping for jeans or something, but put me in front of two, 300,000 people, not a problem. Easy. I could have a, have my, have my, have my breakfast at the front of the stage. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose it would be Ian. I, it would be Ian. Because I, I think his, his humor would be uh, similar. I, growing up in London and I grew up in Dublin, I mean, we have similar humors, you know, but um, I, I'd say that would have, would also be a factor that he seemed a little bit more like the people that I hung around, like beer and a scotch and coke kind of a person. So that environment, so he, that would have also had a factor. So yeah, he's, he, he's, he looks like he, he would be one of us, you know, and he, you know, so that was a probably, it was a, he was a realistic figure. He wasn't dressed up like a Christmas tree or anything like that, or, you know, like the way they went crazy in the eighties and stuff, you know, so. Besides Perpendicular, do you work with any other music projects? I, I tend to not. I tend, I tend to have my plate full with Perpendicular. Um, during COVID, I got a lot of offers to do this, uh, to uh, do a lot of stuff on, online, and I just refused it because I didn't see the point, really. You know, I'm not, I'm not really a social media guy. I kind of came away from it. Hence the track on the album. It's called um, Internet Freaks and TV Stars. It, it's... it's I have a little dig at, at people soaking up the internet, wanting to be TV stars, which is nothing wrong with it. It's just a cheeky little dig, you know. Everybody wants to be TV stars nowadays, and everybody wants to be um, models and God knows what. When most of us aren't really that, it's not a reflection on real life, to be honest, from my perspective. Where am I going with this? <laughs> what did you ask me? Other music projects. 
Yeah, no, I don't know. No, I, I, I'm, I'm big. I'm a big BMW fan, right? Uh, motor racing uh, with the Deutsche Touring Masters and stuff. I tend to follow that. I have. Um, no, that's about it. That's I, I. I tend to have my plate full and full-time dad as well. So I'm pretty happy uh, with what Bert and Dickler are doing at the moment. And I tend to turn down any session work or anything. I used to do a thing in Austria with a Pink Floyd revival band for a few years, but I knocked that on the head. I felt it. I just, I just want to, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm the sort of guy that I need to concentrate on one thing. There's, there's musicians out there that have 20 projects. I don't know how they do it. I'd go, go nuts. I, I would really go nuts. And that, that brings me to the first song on the track called The Nothing Box, where I sat with Ian one, uh, one summer's day in Austria in Linz. And we're having a lovely drink. We just sat down. It was midday or, or about two or three in the day. And the story of Nothing Box came that I heard a little thing from a comedian where there are women have boxes in their heads, but they're all connected with wires and confused and planning and, you know, we're guys, and I don't mean this in a sexist way, by the way, just before I get shot. <laughs> the guys have simple little boxes, all nice and neat in their head, but none of them are connected, you see. But there's one box in the middle that women don't have, and it's called a nothing box. And it's where us guys go when we just daydream. We just do nothing. We're not thinking about anybody. We just do nothing. And that's uh, a little, that's a little story about nothing box. So I just, you just reminded me there when you said that. Final question. Yeah. What is your preferred Irish whiskey and how much is in the cup you've been drinking from? <laughs> well, I tell you, <laughs> this is actually coffee, but I tell you, if this was uh, full of uh, whiskey, um, the, <laughs> the interview would be going on till midnight, probably, you know, um, <laughs> Jameson all day long, Jameson, because I was born just very, not because I was born beside it, but I actually, uh, it is the best, for me, for my tongue, it's a beautiful whiskey, it's, it's, how far was it from my house? I was born Dublin 7, the district of Dublin 7, and that was just around, it, it, it was about a few kilometers from my house, so maybe I could smell it when I was a child <laughs> coming through the window, you know, where my mom lived, there's another whiskey called Kilbegan. My mum was in Dundalk, uh, my, my grandparents, and there's a kil uh, whiskey down there called Kilbegan. We used to say uh, the Kilbegan, uh, we used to use it either if there was nothing else or to paint the walls with, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but Jameson would be my number one. But on tour, usually Jack Daniels, Jack, Jackie, Jack Coke, lots of ice, long drink or a, or a vase if I can find one. <laughs> but if I'm going to drink a, an Irish whiskey and it's got to be pure, it would be uh, Jameson. Definitely, definitely. I would highly recommend Teeling. What Irish is it? T-E-E-L-I-N-G, Teeling. Fantastic what? Irish whiskey. Is it a, a malt or is it a single? They have different kinds. It, they have It's a single pot still, but then they have a malt and they also have a grain. And Excellent. they do different things with it, but they're they're all good, very smooth. Where is it from, George? Uh, I don't know what part of Ireland. I don't have a bottle with me. I drank mine right to the bottom. <laughs> you just yeah, yeah, just straight, yeah, cut out the middleman, just straight through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the new album is Human Mechanic. It comes out September twenty third on Metalville Records. It's a fantastic record, and <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on the podcast to help promote it. No. Nope. No problem at all, George. Thank you.
Be safe, and I hope we'll speak soon. Once again, I want to thank Robbie Thomas Walsh of Perpendicular for coming on the Rock is George podcast. Be sure to check out what's available from their upcoming studio album, Human Mechanic, on one of your favorite music streaming apps. If you like what you hear, make sure you go out and buy a physical copy. Support the artist. For all things Perpendicular, check out their website, perpendicular.eu. That's perp with a P-U-R-P. And check out their Facebook page, facebook.com slash pdworldwide. I also want to thank Nathan T. Burke and Metalville Records for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. I'll see you again soon.